Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. So today I am going to welcome Allison Russell to the podcast. Welcome, Allison. I'm so excited you're here. Allison and I have known each other for a couple years now, and we've started some projects together and some other things. So I'm just thrilled that she's here today, and she's going to introduce herself and tell you all the cool stuff she does. So go. All right. Well, I'm Allison, and I've been a yoga teacher since 2006. I really went full-time into teaching yoga in about 2013. So I've now been full-time teaching yeah, since 2013. And I've, I've done a lot with my yoga business. Oh, I'm also now a registered IAYT yoga therapist. I just completed my training for that. So I'm Yay. very excited. I know. <laughs> um, and in my business, I, I've done quite a few things over the years. You know, not only whenever I was younger from 2006 to 2013, I was uh, you know, a group fitness instructor, yoga instructor, and I also managed a wellness program for the faculty and staff at Texas State University. So that was the beginning of my career. And then whenever I went into business for myself and full-time teaching in 2013, I started training yoga teachers in North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, and yeah, and Montana. And there was really no yoga in North Dakota, especially North Dakota. There was really no yoga in North Dakota at the time, you know, in my town of Williston, there was one or two other teachers. And we're talking about a town of like, you know, 75,000, maybe not 75, maybe it was about 50,000. Um, so whenever I had to move out of Williston, all my students were suddenly like, well, who's going to teach us yoga? And my initial reaction was, I, I guess you guys, you know, I'm going to train you all to be teachers. And that's how it really evolved. And I just basically found a lot of more rural areas and rural towns that they wanted yoga, but there was no teachers. And the nearest teacher training was 12 hours away, which is unreasonable. So I, I brought yoga teacher trainings to these smaller towns and trained a couple hundred yoga teachers um, in North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana. And then from there, what I also realized is people love yoga. So I also created the North Dakota Yoga Conference and the 406 Yoga Conference in Montana. And I created those with partners because I love collaborating. And those have now been successful and been taking off. And so I realized how much I love conferences and events. So I also have now created the first yoga teacher conference. And we just had our first conference last May. And here we are. 
<laughs> oh my God. So one of my favorite things about talking with you is you do as much as I do. <laughs> and so yes. I'm like, like every time you talk, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, she did this cool thing and she did that cool thing. And oh my God, there's this yoga teacher conference now that was really cool. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I love it. You do a ton. Me too. We're similar that way. I, it's growth, right? It's, it's, yeah. you know, growing on your professional journey, taking yeah. the next, ne- the next logical step. So, yeah. So how did you get started teaching yoga? I actually wanted to be a group fitness instructor. I wanted to teach step aerobics. That's what I really wanted to do. And that's what I got trained to do, but I was at a university and there weren't any yoga teachers because it was Texas and, you know, 2006 yoga still wasn't very prevalent, especially at a university, right? Austin had a good market, but a smaller town didn't. So they told me they were like, well, the only way that we can hire you to teach step aerobics is if you also learn how to teach yoga. And I said, okay, I guess I'll learn how to teach yoga. I had never done yoga before, probably not the best way to get started, but it is what it is. And I started, started teaching yoga at the same time of step as I was teaching step aerobics. And I just fell in love with yoga so much. And we just continued the journey from there. So of all the discussions you and I've had over the last couple of years, I feel like we haven't talked about how our starting yoga teaching is kind of similar. Like really? Yeah. <laughs> I was a yoga practitioner for a really long time. And a friend of mine started a theater, actually like a theater that had local performance in it. And he wanted to have yoga classes. And he said he needed a yoga teacher and he had the class and he said, will you come teach yoga? And I said, no. <laughs> and he said, no, really, if, if you want to learn how to be a better yoga teacher, you should really teach yoga. And I was like, oh, that's a good perspective, but no. But his wife is a good friend of mine. And so she kind of played that like we're close friends card. And that's like, I love reluctant yoga teachers because I feel like we're always still surprised that we're here. Like 20 years later, we're still here. (laughs) Yep. It's, it's crazy that, you know, the thing I wanted to do more than anything, which was personal training and group fitness. That's what I wanted that's not what I actually needed because yoga works in all sorts of magical ways, as we know, and it worked in my life and it made me a better person. It's made me a better teacher. And that's why I've stuck with that rather than just the physical personal training and step aerobics, because yoga teach yoga touches us on such deeper levels. Even, even if you don't want it to, or intend for it to, or know that it's going to happen, it just works. Yes. Yes. It really does. It's like, we do this super cool, magical job that I love and I want us to be super proud of because our work is really cool and it matters. Um, Mm -hmm. And there are all these stories that yoga professionals have, like that we sort of tell each other and kind of say behind the scenes, like, no, you have no idea how this really affected my life. You have no idea how I learned how to be a better human because I took on this practice and discipline. That's, I love that about us so much. Like I want us to talk more about it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Now tell me a little bit about, so you had conferences and teacher trainings. So 
that's a whole lot of people who have to be in one space during a global pandemic. So tell me about your shift. Oh my goodness. It was challenging, very challenging, especially the yoga teacher trainings. Those were a challenge because I wasn't living there, which made it because I travel in, right? So it was just a whole extra layer of difficulty. Um, You know, in some ways, I feel fortunate that I was doing those teacher trainings in North Dakota where they were not shutting down as much, you know, whatever you believe around that, it saved my business probably. But the conferences, we ended up canceling one conference in North Dakota because we just, it felt like too much. But our 406 conference in Montana, we actually went ahead and we, we ran that as an in-person event. Now there was only 40 people who attended and we had a giant hotel So there was a lot of social distancing. We did a lot with hand washing, um, a lot of, you know, all all the things, right? The masks, all of it. And it was just such a smaller event, but it still gave us the start. So now this year's event, we already got the word out for the first year. And now this year's event is going to be huge. My yoga teacher conference, on the other hand, now that was the biggest challenge because as we all thought, whenever this whole thing started last March, March of 2020, we thought, oh, certainly by May of 2021, we will be done with this. Of course. Well, I had to make some major decisions with my hotel contract and I did not make those decisions. I was forced to make them in January of 2021. And even in January of 2021, we still hadn't really had any vaccines out. We didn't know what was happening. So I made the decision to shift to a virtual event, which was the right decision. But it's a completely different business model. It's a completely different business running an online versus an in-person conference. You know, even your landing page, what you write on your landing page is different. Your whole website is different. So I had to shift and pivot multiple times in 2020. I offered an additional conference as a list building opportunity. I had to run webinars to try and build my email list because I knew that's how I was going to be selling or marketing instead of how I usually market for in-person events. So I pivoted and shifted the entire thing to, to a virtual event. Um, And it was stressful. It was the most, maybe not the most, one of the most stressful things I think I've ever done over the course of a year and a half. So does that answer your question? (laughs) Yeah, it does. I mean, I'm like that last piece of you saying how stressful it was. I think people who are either independent yoga teachers who just were able to shift online and, and let the studio owners do the work or folks who are in conferences, who are speakers, like the amount of tears we all shed over 2020 as our industry and business was shrinking and shrinking and shrinking is, I I really think people don't understand that, how hard it was. I'll even just tell you, I I had many breakdowns actually in 2021 more because that's whenever I was really 
having to put a lot more effort and energy after I made that decision in January. And I'll just give you an example. I mean, I launched three webinars back to back as list building webinars. And the very first webinar I tried to launch, uh, I had all the marketing done. I was ready to go. I started to send out ads and everything. My website crashed. My whole website was just, it was so slow that it wasn't loading and people weren't joining. So I wasted a lot of money on Facebook ads that people would click, but it wouldn't bring up the site fast enough. So they never joined the webinar. So I wasted a lot of money there. And then I also had to shift my whole entire domain uh, from Bluehost over to SiteGround and shift, shift all of it. Not only was I having to shift it, but I had to do a whole bunch of tech support with Bluehost to try and troubleshoot it. It was, I cried almost every day of that week because it was all new to me. I felt like I was wasting money and it was just, it was just a massive overwhelm. Each one got better and better, but as another example, by this point, by, by the time the conference launched, I was done with tears. I was like, well, it just, (laughs) stuff just happens. (laughs) But even, even whenever I launched the conference, I was running Facebook ads and Facebook just shut down my ad account. No reason. And then it took them six weeks to get it back up. And it's just like, it just felt like one problem after the other in a whole new realm of tech. Yeah. I can deal with problems at an in-person event. No problem. You give me a problem with Facebook ads or my domain, I just lose it. (laughs) So yeah, the amount of stuff that we have all learned over this last year. I mean, so I, as you know, I had an in-person studio and like everybody else, March 15th, we shut down. We were only six months old at the time. And the amount of like shifting into a virtual membership and how to get the tech around that and how to make it also a product I was proud of, like Mm -hmm. all of the learning that we did over the last year, I look at my virtual membership now and I'm like, I finally got good at it. Like, yes, what are we like 16 months into it? And finally I'm like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I know who my audience is and all of the shift, we weren't even taught about how to shift our, who our clients would be in person to who our clients likely would be online and how they have different needs and different challenges. And nobody was telling us any of this. We're just like, well, I mean, I hope I make it through the month. Maybe I'll make my rent. (laughs) Yup. And, and as another piece that I always have to remind myself is it's not that we were just shifting through tech and learning new things. But we were also holding space for our clients and our family and our friends because our family and our friends and our clients were coming to us as the teachers, as the yoga teachers, like, hey, you look like you're handling this a little bit better than we are. But, uh, you know, we, we had to hold that space for everyone around us and learn new things and still hold space for us. It was just, it was a lot. It was a big responsibility. Being a yoga teacher is a huge responsibility. And there's, uh, you know, and all the other aspects of things going on around us. Like, yeah, a lot of us are better at digesting stress because we have this practice that helps us do that. But also we're watching our businesses and our industry crumble around us. 
seeing industry leaders saying things that made me feel so sad, like going, well, maybe this is, you know, maybe we should set fire to everything. Like y'all know how much money some of us have put into our businesses trying to make this work. Like, and, and it's, it was a, it was a hard year for us. And, and that's important for us to talk about. I think that this online shift while I'm excited about it. Like in the future, I'm excited to keep online as part of my business model. Um, it was really hard to do right away. And it wasn't something I was like, well, I already had everything set up. So how lucky am I? We'll just set it all up online. No, it was like, oh, snap. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a lot. And, and I do think it will be interesting to see you know, a lot of teachers I know just didn't want to do the tech, which is fine. I'm curious if they come back now for more in person. I'm, I'm curious to see the long-term shifts that happen. I, I personally plan on going back to in-person events. I honestly just enjoy them more. They feed my soul more, but I will be adding in a virtual component. You know, I don't know if I'm going to go a full hybrid event. I, it just can be a lot of money, um, if I'm being honest. And and again, the tech issues. I don't even know how it works to live stream from a hotel. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. even know what that's like. But I do think that there always will be other kind of you know virtual summits that are a part of my business plan moving forward. Yeah. So I did a virtual retreat in January, and so it was sort of like in your yoga teacher conf, like three days of me going especially the first day, it was a lot of tech support all the time. Like I was at tech support until midnight. And I'm really lucky that the software I was hosting the retreat through their tech support is global. And, you know, so they had tech support people, you know, in Australia who could answer my questions. Thank goodness. Marvelous. Thank you. But like, it's really that part. Actually, I found really exciting by the end. I loved a virtual retreat. It will be in my business plan for 2022 in January because I live somewhere cold And so people Mm -hmm. don't want to come in person. They can stay at home and kind of hunker down. And as you know, I run a nonprofit and we'll have an in-person event, a conference like what you run in March. And we will definitely have an online component. Again, I don't know if we're going to go fully hybrid. I have some folks who want to figure it out. I don't know that I do. (laughs) But, (laughs) But yeah, we have a whole lot more to offer when we can add the tech components in now, which I think is exciting. Yes, I agree. I agree. It does open up a lot more accessibility, a lot more options, a lot more freedom. Um, I do really enjoy that piece of offering more of that, but doesn't mean that it was easy. Yeah. Does not mean that it was easy. Do you see hybrid being something that we shift to more and more going forward as an industry? I do. I do. I know I'll do my, even just um, like yoga teacher trainings. I think yoga Alliance is going to be forced to be able to offer more, uh, more hybrid. We've also all gotten really good. You know, yeah. we, everyone knows how to use zoom. Now my grandma knows how to use zoom. <laughs> so where before, you know, she would have always struggled, but you know, seniors now are using zoom everyone, pretty much everyone knows how to use it. Now we all still 
mute ourselves and have to be reminded to unmute ourselves. But (laughs) it's just so prevalent now that I don't think there's a way that we won't be able to offer it or, or have it. I, I would still like to see more in person as well. I'm, I am a believer of, you know, in-person yoga teacher trainings. I think that there's certain things that are difficult to learn online, especially when it comes to postures. And I also think that there are, there is a big difference between good online versus bad online or good hybrid versus bad hybrid. And we still need to raise the standards and enforce ourselves to offer good, to learn what is good and not to just accept 200 hours of videos as a good, acceptable online teacher training. You know, it needs, there's a good way to do hybrid and there's a bad way to do hybrid. We have to, we have to force ourselves to, I don't want to say force ourselves, but we have to set standards high to require good hybrid. Yes. So y'all can't see me, but I'm like literally applauding Allison right now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because I feel really strongly about that too. I I think hybrid is a cool opportunity. I run a 300 hour teacher training and what I'm planning to launch in 2022 is a truly hybrid experience. So, and part of what I feel can be problematic or challenging about our in-person teacher trainings. A lot of the emotion sharing and, you know, people telling their stories all the time that get in the way of the fact that we've all been paid as teachers to help them learn. I feel like we can make that really skillful by doing videos that people watch ahead of time. And then in person, we can unpack all of that material together with everybody being on the same page before we've begun our in-person experience. Like, like, I don't know about you, but I'm really rigid about where my time goes and where I show up to places. So to me, that also saves me in-person time that I could be at home with my kids or doing something else that nourishes my life, like a hobby or self-care. <laughs> so. yep. Exactly. Exactly. And we've gotten good with the online. You know, in our 300, we ended up putting all the business online. Yeah. We were kind of forced to because of COVID. It worked so well yeah. that in the future, we're always going to do the business piece online. Yes. There's no need for us to gather together and journal about something whenever we could also journal in our own homes on yes. our computers. Yes. You know, so. and, it, and I do hope, like you said, that the Yoga Alliance meets the industry as it shifts and says, right. that, you know, I, I do think, like you said, there is an important factor to a teacher and student relationship that can be in person. There's just magic to that. And, and let's not be naive. Like there is magic to that in-person experience, but I think that we can do hybrid well. And also I've seen a couple teachers out there, teachers who surprised me, Brett Larkin being one of them, who I think she does a hundred percent virtual yoga teacher trainings really well. Every time I watch her do stuff, I'm like, dang, your teacher trainings are better than my 200 was when I took it. Yes, I I will agree. There are very good ones. I think Brett Larkin and Crystal Gray, they have great online teacher trainings. It's just rare for the full one. I think that, I think that our skills are naturally come a little bit easier whenever we're in person. Um, So yes, you, thank you for saying that because I don't want to 
diss every fully online teacher training because some of them are very good. Yeah. So, yeah. So before we go, Alison, will you give us a self-care tip for yoga teachers and yoga professionals listening out there? What's your go-to self-care thing? My go-to self-care thing is take a nap. Yes. Take a nap. (laughs) You know, whenever you're feeling drained, whenever you're feeling tired, just, just go and lay down. Even if you don't sleep, just go lay down. Don't think that you have to go. Sometimes I used to think, oh, my self-care is I'll go meditate. But then that became a checklist item. It became a doing. And sometimes all I need to do is just go and lay down and close my eyes for five to 15 minutes. And it shifts my entire day. So it's not lazy to take a nap. You're doing yourself a favor. If you're feeling drained by groups of people, just leave and take a nap. Allow yourself to rest. Oh my God. I love you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's a good self-care tip. Like napping is important and can actually our own rest, I think is so it's like revolutionary when you realize that you can rest yourself. Like, yes. So if you're listening right now, stop, drop a nap. Listen to Allison. She's very wise. (laughs) (laughs) And tell everybody where to find you to get, to get notified about all your cool stuff and all your conferences and those sorts of things. So I would first go to yogateacherconf.com, yogateacherconference.com. That's where I'm going to be posting the most about all of our upcoming events, our basically everything that we have that's going to really be serving yoga teachers around the globe. So that's, that is the place yogateacherconf.com. Yes. Yes. You should go there. And yes, Allison's awesome. So thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I'm so thrilled and we could talk for literally ever, but ever. Yeah. <laughs> ever. yeah. <laughs> Thanks again for coming onto my podcast, Allison. I knew you were going to be a wonderful guest and you absolutely were. Now, catch anything that Allison is doing on her website, yogateacherconf.com. And before I go today, I wanted to mention one thing that happened to come up via the Biden administration in regards to something that yoga studio owners and yoga teachers might want to be aware of. And that is that if you are in the U.S., the Biden administration is looking to heavily restrict non-competes in all industries, and that includes ours. So if you are in a non-compete, if you own a yoga studio and you hold non-competes for your yoga teachers, make sure that you do some deep assessment as to the viability of those contracts and make sure that you have a professional watching out to make sure that everything that you're doing is legal and above board. Now, in the future, I think I might have a guest or two on here talking about non-competes and if they are ethically sound for our industry. So I will share my thoughts on that then. But in the meantime, know that there are things changing in our federal government that might affect us. Okay, so I will see you next time. I'm looking forward to sharing next week's talk with you. We have so much fun. All right, I'll see you soon.